Are we witnessing a banana split? Find out what I mean on this episode of Pushback. you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hey there, everyone. I'm Dr. Johnny, and this is another episode of Pushback. I'm coming to you in season four uh, and releasing these weekly messages dealing with our current topics of culture and how we as Christians engage the culture, how we set the culture, how how we actually become ambassadors of heaven to uh, to bring heaven towards earth. And, and uh, we can do that. That's what we're here for. And so it's important for us to inject ourselves into the conversation of culture, uh, not just go into the fetal position, not just feel like we're helpless victims, uh, but that we actually play a role in the actual setting of culture here on this earth. And we have to have vision for that because if we don't do it, who's going to do it? And we're here on this earth. The father could take us home at any point, but he's left us here. He's put us here. He's assigned us here to do the work. And I'm excited to be part of that. And if I can just be one voice that gives uh, you, the listeners, and, and those to whom you talk to and pass these topics along to, if I can just be that voice that brings um, honor uh, and brings um, education and understanding uh, to truth, um, then I've done my job. And so that's what I want to do. Um, this episode is entitled Banana Split, and I'll explain that in just a little bit here. But uh, obviously, I feel like I need to talk about the Donald Trump indictment this week, as that has been dominating the headlines and is certainly, on so many levels, a cultural issue. And so I want to just read a little bit about it itself, uh, sort of a position paper that I align myself with in regards to what is happening. But with every podcast, I really always want to drill down to what is happening. What is the core? What is what are the issues? It's interesting as 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 Donald Trump is uh, being indicted and and the uh, political enemies are looking to lock him up or put him away or uh, um, uh, convict him, the word banana republic has been thrown around. Like this is banana republic type stuff where you actually lock up your adversaries or your foes. And so the throw, the word gets thrown a- around a lot. And um, interestingly, when you research the word banana republic, which I have, uh, it's is not exactly used correctly when we're talking about locking up our foes. Banana Republic actually usually refers to uh, a small country that is reliant on usually one or two um, basically domestic products. And so because of that, whoever controls that or that company controls the country and, and it's ripe for corruption. And that's usually a Banana Republic. Um, but we have learned or we use it in the context of those in power weaponizing the justice system to arrest those who are politically opposed to them. And so we've been seeing that on both sides. 
And that's why I call this a banana split. And so we certainly have been seeing it this week with Donald Trump. I just want to read this article to you real quick. One of the hallmarks of America has been our ability to have political differences, even seismic political differences, without the party in power criminalizing or seeking to jail those on the other side. And I'm going to come back to that main topic as sort of our introductory paragraph of this podcast. That all changed after Donald Trump's 2017 inauguration as president of the United States. It was not President Trump's doing. It was the historically un-American response to his victory. We all watched with increasing astonishment the ugly parade of personal attacks, investigations, impeachments, and hoaxes directed toward President Trump and his family. For six years, Democrat, federal, and state prosecutors sought to find a crime or invent one. This effort continued on and on until finally a George Soros-backed district attorney in Manhattan got a New York jury to indict Trump on what seems centered around a bookkeeping dispute. It has been famously said that a dishonest prosecutor can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich because only one side of the case is presented to a grand jury. And so the left has finally found the slimmest of slim means by which to criminalize their chief political opponent and potentially imprison him. This is not unusual in other countries. Third world and authoritarian regimes around the world criminalize and imprison political opponents with regularity. I've actually dug into this as well, and it's kind of staggering when you get into South America and Central America and the regime changes that have been taking place there. Interestingly, I don't think we follow that all very often here in America, uh, but it could be construed as banana republic type stuff that's happening down there on a regular basis. I, I think something in Peru, they've had like seven presidents in seven years, something along those lines. And I read this article that went over and over to the point where I really, truly just became bored reading it because it was the same story over and over again about how political opponents were criminalized and imprisoned. It happens quite regularly. However, this has never been a feature of the United States post-Civil War until the Democrats made it one over the past six years. Since 2017, Democrats, the media, and big tech have put this country through hell because they simply cannot accept the results of the 2016 election. There is good reason why we have never had a former president indicted, despite the fact that there have been some shady characters in the Oval Office. Everyone has understood that such a move would weaken the institution of the presidency. And everyone has understood that such a move would torpedo the United States' long tradition of ensuring the peaceful transfer of power. Unfortunately, this has now happened. With a former president indicted on very weak charges by a politicized prosecutor, we will now see every incoming administration seek revenge against the preceding administration. Naturally and predictably, this will lead to further polarization in an already deeply divided nation. No good will come of this. Make no mistake, this is not about the high-minded, nobody-is-above-the-law mantra that Democrats have been chanting in unison over the past several days. They obviously don't believe that. When rioters burned and looted American cities in 2020, Democrat politicians and the media did not merely defend such behavior. They were even pushing people to bail out the rioters. The rioters were above the law. Hillary Clinton's infamous Steele dossier in almost a direct parallel to Trump's situation, except it was literally done through her campaign. But Clinton was above the law. Now the same Manhattan District Attorney who has reduced felonies to misdemeanors and even declined to, to prosecute an increasing number of violent felonies has stretched legally, 
legal credulity to find a reason to go after a former president. This is clearly a case of unequal treatment under the law, and it is the obvious persecution of a political opponent. I fear the potential horrible cycle this could unleash. This was written by Joe Gruters, a Republican from Sarasota, uh, representing the 22nd District in the uh, state, Florida State Senate. It's interesting, though, because I'm an equal opportunity pushbacker, and we have to understand that it wasn't too long ago that many of uh, Donald Trump, uh, many of his opponents are um, losing sight of a warning that they issued in 2016. Then Mr. Trump spoke of sorry, prosecuting Hillary Clinton, and his supporters chanted, lock her up. Critics accused him of subverting a, cru a crucially important norm against political pr prosecution. They said it would be a dangerous turn, and they were right. See, this is a political divide. Um, this is a politically motivated move, and I don't think anybody can really argue it. It's, it's interesting because when you do go onto the news and you listen to the headlines, all of them are like, well, nobody is above the law. That's what the Democrats' position is. And of course, the Republican side, the conservative side is saying that this is a perversion of the law and that the law needs to be administered equally. And so you hear both sides and both sides are accusing the other of being a banana republic. And really the truth of the matter is that we're living in a banana split. Both sides looking to gain political advantage, both of them going tit for tat, trying to bring response to these politically motivated moves. And what's going to be the result of this? Well, it's either going to be that Trump gets elected by a landslide because of the martyrdom that's taking place. It could be that a different Republican is elected. It could be that the Democrats will learn their lesson from that and hopefully not pursue that further. But it also could be that this is just the beginning of a banana split war where there is retaliation and this persists on and on and on. See, I like to get to the core of the issue. And even though none of us would necessarily want to see this as a cycle that perpetuates, we have to ask ourselves, like if this was Hillary Clinton being indicted, would we be cheering? Would we be saying nobody's above the law? Would we be speaking the same mantra? And so what is the core issue here? Well, I believe that we have crossed over. I did a podcast not too many episodes ago um, called Daddy Rainbows um, and, and talking about the words that, that the secular world has taken from us. Well, hate is not a word that is a Christian word, but it's a word that's been misused and has been displaced. And what's happened now in society is that disagreement has equaled hate. And so you can actually have a legitimate, real, honest, honoring disagreement with somebody and then be accused of it being hate speech. Now, I'm not naive to the fact that I am doing a podcast talking about cultural issues, talking about real differences in the way that we look at the world, worldview type stuff. It would be easy for somebody to listen to what I'm saying and call it hate. 
but that's actually the opposite of of what I am trying to convey and what so many other people are just trying to communicate with their fellow citizens. And so I believe the most dangerous thing here is not political. The dangerous thing here is cultural. And what the danger that I'm seeing, what I'm realizing is that anybody who disagrees with each other hate each other. It becomes a hateful situation. See, the Democrats don't look at Republicans as those who have bad ideas. They actually look at Republicans as bad people. Democrats or Republicans actually look at Democrats not as people who have bad ideas, but as bad people. And what happens is, is that actually justifies then our behavior to act in a way that in figuratively and in Trump's case, literally imprisons them. And that's not the goal. That's not the direction. If we see people as bad people, if we see people as people that we hate, then we can easily say, and this has been the headline all week as I have researched this, then we can justify and say they're getting what they deserve. I can't tell you how many times or, or, or headlines have said Donald Trump is getting what he deserves. Now, wait a minute. They aren't even referring to this bookkeeping issue that they are trying to, no, tr- no pun intended, Trump up into a felony It's not anything to do with that. It's that he's a bad guy and he's a bad man and he says bad things. And because of that, he deserves this. Now, that is not equal protection under the law. That doesn't make him guilty of a crime. That puts him into the public sector in which we look at him through our lens. And because we disagree with him, we can say he is a bad person and deserves prosecution. I believe that's the core. When we drill down, we have a real problem in our nation. And I believe the problem in our nation is that we have an inability to actually converse with each other without hating each other. And I believe it's also the answer to the problem is our ability to sit down, talk about our differences. The diplomatic approach where we are honoring towards one another and we can share, but instead we're actually looking for reciprocation. We're looking to live in the middle of the banana split. You're bad. No, you're bad. You're trying to prosecute me. I'm trying to prosecute you. If you do this to me, I'm going to do this to you. And it all ties into this issue of hate. There's an article written by Blake Long from The Theology and Life that I found online. It's short. I'm just going to read it to you real quick. He said, there's a hilarious episode of The Office where an employee uses the bathroom in Michael Scott's office. (laughs) He's very upset by this and he's waiting for it to be cleaned. Michael looks over at Stanley, who is African-American, and says, I am a victim of a hate crime. And he says, and Stanley knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) To which Stanley, rather annoyed, retorts, retorts, that's not what a hate crime is. And Michael, being the idiot he is, responds, well, I hated it a lot. He writes, this is a very funny scene, but the point is quite obvious. Just because people hate what they are hearing doesn't mean it is hate speech. Just because unbelievers hate what Christians believe doesn't mean they are victims of a hate speech. 
It simply means there's a disagreement. What has happened to our society? Culture used to be much better at being able to have cordial disagreements, even over big topics such as religion and politics. The day of polite conversations over controversial issues are long gone. If there's, if there's any sort of disagreement for some reason, it must mean there's hatred from the other side. And that is simply untrue. Do we really want to progress, to progress as a society? then first and foremost, we must be able to have tough conversations as fellow humans. People should be able to disagree over sensitive subjects without ripping each other to pieces. However, herein lies the problem. The world pounces on Christians who, had, who hold orthodox beliefs. Truth be told, it's easy to pick on Christians. We understand this. Nevertheless, followers of Christ should not get lambasted, lambla Lambasted for their beliefs simply because they oppose culture's ideas. People, please understand our disagreement with you, whatever it is, does not mean we hate you. It means we disagree with your worldview. Cordial disagreement has made America a wonderful place for free thinking. Now we live in a time when the simplest disagreement is deemed hate speech. It ain't hate speech. We just don't see eye to eye. And that's okay. With that said, allow me to go on a limb and say this. Culture paints disagreement as hatred because it enjoys playing the victim. It's a type of virtue signaling. So we need to think as Christians that society is going to miraculously stop behaving this way. This is the new norm of sorts. What Christians must do is be faithful to the gospel despite the critics, opposition, and intolerance we receive. If the world continues to equate disagreement with hatred, let us love them all the more by continuing to share the Gospels. Hard to do. Easy to say, hard to do. And I do get that. He said that when we play the victim, when we take, play the victim card, it's a type of virtue signaling. Now, maybe those of you on social media are more, more uh, uh, savvy to a term like virtual, uh, I'm sorry, Virtue signaling, but I had to look it up. I had to try to figure out what it meant. Here, here's what it meant means. The public expression of opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one good, one's good character or social conscience or the moral correctness of one's position on a particular issue. He said it's like wearing a shirt showing that you donated money to some cause because you want others to think that you're charitable. Virtue signaling. We live in a culture that loves to virtue signal, and we as Christians are not immune. Virtual signaling is a pejorative term applied to people who say or do things with the primary motive of making themselves look virtuous. The person who does so is attempting to increase their social status. They try to conceal the fact that they are virtue signaling while doing it, but the disguise fails all too often. It has always been this way, but social media has provided us with a virtue signaling Magnifone, magnifone. So here I am as a podcaster, a social influencer, a culture changer, and I'm using social media as my platform to talk about virtues. So my virtue signaling, maybe at times I'm guilty of that. But what's critically important, what I always need to stay focused on and what you need to stay focused on as my listener is that we are connected to his higher ways. It's not Dr. Johnny's idea of how to live, my top 10 ways of 
10 virtues to live by according to Dr. Johnny. That's not the point. The point is that he gives us the ways to live and we can take it to the bank that they are always the best. They are always the most virtuous. And we can sit on that, as that last article said, we can rely on the word of God and his truth that he has given to us. And we don't need to waver on that no matter how much flack or pushback we get on what we believe or what we stand. Now, we as Christians, we can do this as well. They use an example here how somebody on social media posts a, a picture of you sitting with your coffee cup and your Bible and you're doing your morning devotions. It's virtue signaling. It's telling everybody how virtuous and biblical and studious you are. So we can take it too far and we can draw attention to ourselves. But when we talk about this, when we talk about banana republics and we talk about, about politics and the, the tit for tat, when we talk about those things, it's important that we stay focused on the fact of who we are, who we're representing. And that's not ourselves. It's not a political party. It's heaven itself. And we need to stay focused on that. Do I think Donald Trump is being treated unfairly? Absolutely, I do. That's my position. And I believe that's what history will show when we're done with all of this prosecution. But where does it end? Is this just the beginning of a fuse that has now been lit? That if you look at somebody cross-eyed, you're going to get indicted if you're a politician. That isn't going to be a healthy discourse. See, we can, we can try to remove ourselves from the whole thing and say, we're going to plug our nose and, and we can also virtue signal our way out of taking any responsibility. And we can say, well, Donald Trump was a flawed man. President Biden is a flawed man. So I'm just not going to vote. Well, that is not the answer because we're actually voting for what people stand for, not the person themselves what they're actually going to bring to Washington. And it's important that we connect with issues and stay engaged and not disengage ourselves. There were so many pastors last cycle that said they couldn't stand the immorality from Donald Trump, so they just decided to not vote. Guess what that means? They actually voted for President Biden and his liberal policies and his abortion policies and his economic policies. Not voting is actually a vote for your opponent. Do the math. That's not virtue signaling. That's not virtuous. That's impotent. That's, that's not taking a stand. That's backing off and saying, I'm going to play no role in society or culture. That's not what they're calling us to. So there has to be that place where we're not drawing attention to ourselves. It says in Matthew 6, 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 6, 6, there are spiritual rewards for our devotion to Christ. Jesus tells us when we pray in private, the Father who will reward us, who sees, will reward us. But when we parade it around so others will know, we lose the reward. The only benefit we receive is an earthly one that is corruptible. That's not what I'm after. I'm not after an earthly reward. I'm ringing a bell to talk about real cultural issues, but I can guarantee you, I can promise you, I will commit to being honoring about this. And we need to be able to open up discourse and conversation. We have become such a banana split that we simply see the other side as the enemy 
and have and has no virtue. They are bad people. And because of this, because of this, they have nothing to offer. And if they have nothing to offer, then we are justified to to put them aside or to imprison them, either literally or with our words or with our minds. I think that we can engage culture because we have something to say. And if we want them to listen to us, then we need to be honorable ourselves. This is a tough thing in this political climate. Politically, I'm standing with Donald Trump and I, I, I can't condone his behavior. Anytime the word porn star comes up in the conversation or in the indictment, it has to raise our eyebrows and say, I don't like this at all. None of, nobody wins in any of this. This is not likable. This is not comfortable. I get it. But we have to see each other as Americans and not just political foes. I believe that we can do it. It's going to require concerted effort. But if we don't value it, then we won't do it. So will you value it with me? Will you engage culture in an honoring and pure way? I believe we can do it. So let's do it now. Let's go together to set and shape the culture. Thank you.